kids, welcome back to another episode of the Gosford PC Kids Cast. This is Ash. And this is James, and it is great to be here with you guys. Now, Ash, as we get into it today, uh, my opening question for you is this. Uh, you and I have both spent some time in church. Yep. Uh, I became a Christian when I was 19, and I've now been in church for just about the same amount of time, actually. Mm-hmm. So kids, do the maths at home to figure out my age. <laughs> uh, but you've grown up in church, yes? Yes, I have. Now, tell me. Over your years in growing up in church, have you ever seen people who you looked at and thought, wow, they've got it all together, uh, they've got so much stuff going for them, but the longer you actually knew them, it turned out that wasn't totally true? Honestly, I've seen it happen many, many times. Yeah, right. Particularly as a teenager growing up, um, there was a lot of people that I um, came into contact with between our own church and between going to like PY summer camps and stuff like that where you would just look at them and they just seemed to have it all together they were attractive they were um, charismatic which that just means like they're um, what would you say people like them uh... people are drawn to them like they're very social and outgoing and they have lots and lots of friends um, and they just seem to be so on fire for God and you kind of would just look at them and almost be a little bit envious. Mm. Um, and then as time would go on, the perfect exterior would kind of start to fall off and they would actually fall completely away from God. And you realize that on the inside, um, they weren't quite as full and complete as they looked on the outside. Yeah, okay. So I thought that might be the case because it's actually not that much of an unusual thing to see people that seem to have it all together and it turns out that's not actually the case. And we're going to see today how Jesus, uh, in this little section of teaching that we're going to look at, helps us to understand how things are not always how they look on the outside and who is right with God uh, is not always based on what we can see. So looking forward to that. This week's passage is Luke chapter 6, verses 20 to 26. I'm going to read the first three verses, and then James will read the last three. We're going to be reading from the CEV version, so let's read Luke chapter 6, verses 20 to 26. looked at his disciples and said, God will bless you people who are poor. His kingdom belongs to you. God will bless you hungry people. You will have plenty to eat. God will bless you people who are crying. You will laugh. God will bless you when others hate you and won't have anything to do with you. God will bless you when people insult you and say cruel things about you, all because you are a follower of the Son of Man. Long ago, your own people did these same things to the prophets. So when this happens to you, be happy and jump for joy. You will have a great reward in heaven. But you rich people are in for trouble. You have already had an easy life. You well-fed people are in for trouble. You will go hungry. You people who are laughing now are in for trouble. You are going to cry and weep. You are in for trouble when everyone says good things about you. That is what your own people said about those prophets who told lies. Okay. 
So, Ash, a little bit of a longer passage again this week, uh, but we can sort of see how it all fits together. So what did you notice as we were reading through this week? Yeah, it's quite a um, confronting passage, actually, Mm. isn't it? And because I don't know about you, but I often think of myself uh, as quite lucky and quite well off. And so sometimes I think I might identify as as that second uh, set of people in that passage, the rich people who are in for trouble. But what I think is really amazing about this passage is that it shows us that though there are things that we may lack physically in this life. Sometimes we might not have um, everything that we absolutely want or need, but that doesn't actually actually reflect where we stand with Jesus and God's perception of us. Like James, did you ever look at a kid at school? Maybe there was one who like couldn't afford to buy lunch orders or maybe Mm. they didn't have the flashiest toys and ever think, oh, God must not love them. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I didn't grow up Christian necessarily, but I did look at kids like that and certainly thought that they weren't as good or that there was something about them. Uh, You know, I guess I sort of felt sorry for them on one level, but I did probably, if I'm being honest, look down on them or think that maybe they weren't as good as me or something like that. Uh, And this passage is just cutting right across that. It's saying that God cares about uh, the poor. He cares about those people who are hungry. He cares about those people who are sad or grieving. And that's what we were trying to get at a little bit with our opening question today is just, you know, sometimes we look at people and we might look at their life and and see that it seems like there's things wrong with their life or that they don't have things very good. And we might think, oh, maybe God doesn't care for them as much as those people over there that seem rich and happy and popular and everyone says nice things about them and all that sort of stuff. But Jesus here is teaching us that that's just not the case. Yeah, absolutely. And so what did you get from the passage? Yeah, so I was noticing about how it keeps on talking about these prophets of old. And I just thought I'd explain to the kids what that is about. So in the Old Testament, there were a couple of times when God wanted to judge the people of Israel because they were being disobedient and they weren't listening. But there were these prophets of God that would come along and tell the people, no, nah, no, nah, it's cool. It's fine. God's given us these promises. We're going to be totally good. And the truth is they were just lying. They were telling false uh, things in order uh, to have popularity with people so that they'd like them because they were telling them good news uh, and they were just dead wrong. And so here Jesus is warning us uh, to say that just because things look like they're good in your life, don't think that that definitely means that you are right with God. Now, I have a question for you, Ash, as well. Mm -hmm. Do you think that Jesus is teaching here that if you are rich and you have food and you uh, have friends that you can't uh, be with Jesus in the new creation? Definitely not. It's is that correct? That's correct. Yeah, good job. <laughs> Uh, it is. It's really interesting when we read this passage because sometimes that's what it might come across as if we don't look into it a little bit further. But I know plenty of people who are rich, uh, but are also saved. And I guess the thing is, it depends on where people's hearts are at. And so God might give people these physical blessings, um, you know, maybe with money or um, being able to have lots of food. Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be condemned because of that. No, that's right. And in fact, Jesus did teach specifically on this. He said that it's harder for a rich person to enter into mm. the kingdom of God than it is for a camel to fit through the eye of a needle, that tiny bit where the thread goes through. And then it, a little bit later, he says, but all things are possible with God. And what he was trying to teach us is that sometimes for rich people, it can be hard to know Jesus because they have so many blessings in this world. 
But at the same time, God can save anyone, whether they're rich or they're poor, and he cares about all of us. And Jesus, when he died on the cross, paid the price for all people's sins, rich people, poor people, all people, and whoever trusts in him can be saved. And that's the, the good news that we get from this passage about all that Jesus has done for us. It's now time for our special guest of the week. This week's special guest is someone who has been a part of our church for a very long time now. In fact, she was a part of this church even before I was born and I'm a lot older than you kids. So I thought it would be really cool to interview this person today because they've had some amazing experiences throughout their life and they're doing some amazing things with the ESL, uh, which is English as a Second Language community on the Central Coast. So I'd now like to introduce the wonderful Joe. Hi Joe, thanks so much for joining us today. Oh hi Ash, nice to be here. So you are the leader of our ESL ministry team but I would like to know what actually is ESL? Well ESL stands for English as a Second Language. So many people who come to live in Australia have grown up speaking another language. Now that's great if you're living in a country where everybody else speaks your language, but in Australia, most people don't speak your language. That means it's hard to make friends and it's hard to do the shopping. It's hard to help your kids at school and it's hard to get a job. In fact, everything is harder and it can be very lonely. I remember when I was visiting my daughter in France, I couldn't even talk to other people at the dinner table or read the instructions to work the washing machine. I felt really stupid, but I wasn't stupid. I just couldn't speak French. Perhaps you know some kids at school who don't know English when they first come. It's pretty lonely for them and it's hard to make friends. But usually kids learn English soon and become part of the group. But for their parents, it's harder to learn. They often don't have other people to talk to in English and it takes them longer to learn. So we have a group that meets at church every Friday during school term where people who speak other languages can come and practice English and make some Australian friends. They also get to meet other people who are new to Australia. That sounds really interesting, Joe. And I know from my experience when I was in Indonesia, uh, it can be very lonely, like you said, uh, not being able to speak another language. Mm. And I know that uh, it was just hard to feel like you belonged. Uh, so tell me a little bit about what happens at ESL each week. Well, things are a bit different at the moment because of COVID. But what we aim to do is to have plenty of time just to talk. The people who come can share what's happening in their lives and we can also share our lives with them. We also talk about things they need to know to live in Australia. Like for the last few weeks, we've been talking about what to do in an emergency, like a fire, or if one of the kids in the family is very sick. Then we have some time um, together reading the Bible in English and we talk about it. Sometimes we do fun things together, like go out for lunch or go for a bushwalk. Oh, that sounds like fun. And why do you lead and serve at ESL each week? What motivates you? Well, God loves and welcomes people who are new to Australia. Um, in the Bible, he tells, us, he tells us as his people to care for foreigners. 
um, so but God's also given me a love for people who are new to Australia and I know from my own experience how hard it is to live in a new place where you don't understand what people say or how they do things. I've seen God working in the lives of many people we have contact with and it's, it's such a privilege to work alongside God. We've also found that many people really want to find out about Jesus. Some have never heard about Jesus before. Others do know Jesus and they want to grow in their faith with other Christians. Some of them have started coming to our church and their kids are in kids church. So you have the chance to welcome them like God does at kids church or at school. Wonderful. And I would love to know to wrap up, what has God shown you and taught you through this ministry? Oh, well, God, God really throws us in the deep end when we're building relationships with people from different backgrounds. Often we don't know what to say, but God still works despite our weaknesses. The thing that makes the most impact on people is that we've shown that we care for them. This speaks louder than our words and God uses it to bring people to him. I've also learned a lot from the people that come to our group. I've learned what it means to be a new Australian. And I've learned that faith in God can be expressed in different ways in different cultures. And God has challenged me to learn how to express what I believe using simple concepts and words. And I still have lots more to learn. Wow, that sounds amazing, Joe. And I think that's such a good call and um, reminder for our kids to be welcoming and loving to our new ESL friends each week and uh, think about ways that we can show Christ's love to them. Thanks so much for your time, Joe. Oh, it's great to be with you, Ash. This is usually our time for question of the week, but a couple of weeks ago we decided to do a book review and this week we want to do another one because James has an excellent recommendation for you guys. So parents, if you haven't been listening yet, this might be the time to tune in and see if this takes your fancy. So James, what's the book? The book is The New City Catechism uh, that's been put together by Kathy Keller and it is essentially, as it says on the Cover page, 52 questions and answers for our hearts and minds. Now, some of you might be thinking, what is a catechism? And that is a great question. And essentially, a catechism is a list of questions and answers that we are meant to memorize in order to help us learn something. And Christians for centuries have been using catechisms to help them to understand truths about God and themselves and sin and redemption and all the things that Jesus has done for us. And the reason that this book is so great is that it's written for uh, both grown-ups and kids to be able to do together. So the idea is that each week there is a question that you uh, learn and an answer that you learn and there's a, a longer version for adults and a shorter version for kids and it's all about what Jesus has done for us. That sounds awesome. Can you maybe give us an example of one of these questions and answers? Yeah, absolutely. So for example, one of the questions, question 44, 24, is why was it necessary for Christ, the Redeemer, to die? And the kid's answer to this question is, Christ died willingly in our place to deliver us from the power and penalty of sin and bring us back to God. 
So you can see that just in that one little sentence, it's packed full of good Bible truth that helps us to understand why Jesus's death was so important uh, and why he had to die for us on the cross. And if you spend a week on that, and the other cool thing is that if you look at the page in the book, it's got uh, some little pictures to help you understand sort of where it fits as far as the bigger picture of what we believe as Christians and to help you join it to some of the other questions in the book so you can see how it all sort of fits together. Uh, and it's just a really great way to get grounded uh, in what the Bible teaches us about the, the core truths about who God is and what Jesus has done for us. That sounds awesome. And what kind of um, time during the day would you suggest this would be good to use? Yeah, so we in our family uh, used it at dinner time. So we would eat and then I'd normally try and eat a little bit quicker than the kids, which normally wasn't too hard, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> and then I would ask them the question for the week and they would give me the answer. And then once we got through memorizing it, we would start to talk a little bit about what that means. And what we're actually doing now is we're starting the book again because there's actually a Bible verse that goes with each of the answers as well. So the idea is, is that you learn the question and the answer, and then you can learn the Bible verse that actually gives you a little bit of a hint about where we get that answer from in the Bible. So we've just started that. Uh, kids are excited to be learning some Bible together, which is fun. Uh, some nights we're more excited than others, again, to be honest. But, you know, we try and keep it uh, light and uh, just have a good time with it because we don't want the kids to Feel like they're being forced to learn the Bible but the truth is is that when we are excited about the Bible there's so much good stuff in there uh, that normally we all start to get excited about it and as long as we're having fun and not uh, trying to make this into some sort of boring ritual that we do it's really good for our hearts and our souls that's fantastic and I want to touch on that bit that you said at the end boring ritual there for a moment so a lot of people um, often question why as Christians we uh, memorize scripture or memorize things like catechism. So what, James, do you think is the benefit of both kids and adults memorizing this? Yeah, so when we go about our daily lives, we face challenges all the time, whether we're at school and we're in the playground and somebody says something mean and we have to think about how we want to respond to them. Or maybe somebody asks us a question at work about God and uh, why Jesus had to die for us. And if we have these answers and Bible verses memorized, then it's just really easy for us to give good, straightforward answers to these questions. Because even when we spend lots of time in church, we don't always just have it in that nice, simple, straightforward, here's the answer uh, that you're looking for version. And this is just a really great way to encourage your own heart by learning more Bible and Bible truth, but also being ready to answer questions and to be able to speak it and pray it to yourself. That's my favorite thing about memorizing the Bible and memorizing God's truth to us is when I'm feeling discouraged or sad or something, I can just quote scripture to myself. And it's amazing how when I start focusing on God's truth, how quickly I feel much, much better about the world and everything in it because I know who God is. And that wraps up another episode of the Gosford PC Kids Cast. Remember that if you have a question you would like answered on the podcast, you can send it to us by clicking the link in the show notes below or by emailing it to us. We would love to answer your question. And James, would you like to pray for us before we go? I would love to. Dear God, thank you so much that you have made yourself known to us in the Bible. Thank you, Father, for the work that people have done through history to help us to understand who you are and help us to understand why it's so important that Jesus died on the cross for us. 
to pay the price for our sins so that we can believe in you and trust in you and know you forever. Please, Lord, may we not look at people and just see what's on the outside and guess whether they are right with you or not. But rather, Father, may we always be thankful that you save and rescue and care about people no matter how rich or poor they are. And it doesn't matter how far away from you we seem in this world. When we trust and believe in you, we know that we are completely close to you through everything that Jesus has done for us. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, kids. We'll see you next week. See you then. Bye.